As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to 5,000 to 1, the Athletics Leicester City podcast, and I start this week by bringing in my co-host Matt Elliott by saying, Matt, Leicester City are top of the Premier League. Can you believe that? I know. Um, well, yes, is the answer to that question, because as we know, strange things are possible at Leicester City and the King Power Stadium. Unusual things occur sometimes in this neck of the woods, and they're happening again. Well, it's, it feels all so surreal, really, because at the start of the season, there was a lot of negativity around the, the way they collapsed at the end of last season, uh, the injuries that they started to pick up and went into this campaign with still, and the perception that they didn't do enough transfer business in the window. Then you looked at their fixtures, Man City away, Arsenal away, you got two of the, uh, the newly promoted sides away as well, and you thought, wow, it's going to be really, really tough, but... They've done so well as well, and a 100% record in Europe as well. And Braga last week, um, they absolutely annihilated them. And they're a side that were, had won six on the tross in Portugal. It has been remarkable. It has. You, you have to say that, don't you? Because um, for those reasons you just mentioned, it, it was going to be too much of, a, of an overload, really, for the, the supposed perceived lack of depth in the squad. <laughs> you know, that, those questions have been answered in full, haven't they, so far? It, there was the little, I say blip, you know, the disappointment against West Ham and Aston Villa. Um, and I think that was a little bit of, a, not a wake-up call, but I think it, it it helped to tune the focus a little bit. And I think they took their eye off the ball in that West Ham game in particular. I think they thought they'd had a few good results, good start to the season. But since then, they've realised, you know, you have to be on your, on your top game um, to get results. But when you do... Yeah, it's uh, there's, there's still the, the sort of lingering doubt about how effective they'd be if Vardy wasn't in in the starting lineup. Although they've coped with that, you know, even when he's been rested, certainly in European football. And at the moment, everything's going swimmingly, isn't it? But I think certainly Brendan Rodgers and most of the players are old enough and wise enough to know that it's, it's not necessarily going to be plain sailing um, and you know go quite as well as it has done lately for the rest of the season. There's got a lot of hard work to be done, but. The capability is there for them to have a tremendous season, isn't it? 
Oh, absolutely. Somebody mentioned to me, they said they described Leicester as a well-oiled machine. Now, for my mind, they're a well-oiled machine with a number of key parts missing with the Nididi out, Siunsu out, Pereira out, Castagna's been missing. We've had Vardy missing a couple of games. We've had Madison easing his way back in after uh, injury. Credit to the lads that have stepped up to the plate and credit to Brendan Rodgers with his tactical switches as well. Um, But certainly those players, I mean, James Justin's played... Uh, on the left, he's played on the right, he's played part of a back three and he's done superbly well. Christian Fuchs has done in and did a great job. Pappy Mendy's done a great job. Michael Brighton's come in and played a few games at right wing back. The, the lads, we, we, we did have concerns about a lack of strength of depth or a lack of quality in depth in this Leicester squad going into the season. But the lads that have been on those fringes that you probably wouldn't throw into the first choice 11 when everybody was fit have certainly stepped up to the plate, haven't they, Matt? Oh, yeah. Um, literally, those individuals you mentioned and more, like Sir Chowdhury and Thomas, I'm not sure if you mentioned anyone up there, but they've come in and in normal circumstances, there may be one or two of the fringe players, if you like, for want of a better word, may be required, but it's been four, fives and sixes at, at times. And um, it's got to the point where the quality of those players hasn't been missed, really. And you know, for that to happen... For the amount of players that, that have, have been required, you know, sort of semi en masse at times, pretty much any other team in the league, you would have expected a downturn in results and performances. And you've seen neither. It's, it's not as if Leicester had just been hanging in there and as we used to all those years ago, grind out results. They've, they've been impressive as well. The way they've marshaled the games, controlled them the majority of the time and, you know, adapted um tactically as well you know within games themselves and it's it's incredible really you know they're in a groove and a rhythm with it but also it helps them like this time last year Leicester were playing really attractive football weren't they and they were they were playing in that 4-1-4-1 system if you like um which had a bit of flexibility to it itself but they played one way um, the first half of the season and they were very good at it and it just clicked all of a sudden the, the rhythm wasn't quite there or they slipped down a gear and they didn't really know how to, to get back into that groove if you like but with, it, with the system as it is I think they know what they're doing it's almost like the game's preordained at times well, the last game, Wolves um, summed up the season for me in many ways. I mean, they look sharper than Wolves. I mean, we were expecting Wolves to be a, a stern challenge. They defend deep. They they were almost ripe to upset Leicester in many ways, the way they, they set up tactically. Um, but Leicester just outplayed them, I thought, in the first half. But um, it was the deciding factor was penalties. Now, we talked about the incredible nature of this season, not just for Leicester, but across the whole of the Premier League, some of the results that we've been seeing. But uh, a phenomenal stat that's come out of Leicester the start of the season is the number of penalties they've been awarded. Eight in eight Premier League games this season, nine in all competitions. The last time um, a team got to eight in such a short time was Manchester United. It took them 16 games to get eight penalties awarded in their favour. and That was last season. Leicester have done it in eight. Now, there's a number of reasons. And I've done a, an article that's uh, on the Athletic website now and you can still subscribe for just £1 per week by uh, going to theathletic.com forward slash Leicester pod to read it, uh, where I've tried to explain why I think they get these number, large number of penalties. I think it's the, the number of bodies they get into the box, the intricate play around the area, the, the players that are very, very sharp and quick and can get in behind defenders and draw the contact. Now, that evoked an, another debate 
debate on social media and certainly on the comments page on The Athletic as well. Uh, certainly from fans of other clubs, some rival clubs. Who might suggest there's more Machiavellian ways that Leicester City are winning these these penalties, Matt? But I, I can only really think the Kilman one, which ultimately led to the winner against Wolves with the handball on young Kilman, uh, which I thought was a harsh award. Besides that one, all the other ones, I, I can't see really a lot of conjecture about. In all those cases, uh, Leicester player got the ball and they were taken out or pushed or tripped or barged into. Um, I can't really see a lot of debate about those penalties, but I'm sure people will have other opinions. What, what do you think? What were the conspiracy theories, uh, Robert, in terms that they of dive. That they dive, that it's cheating. It was uh, quite a few of them saying, I mean, I, th- I suppose there's this very much old school uh, attitude that, uh, uh, you know, the, the, this differentiation between contact and non-contact. Now, if there's no contact and you go down, that is diving, that is cheating. But if you run across a defender, I mean, you've probably experienced this so many times, the best strikers, when they get in behind a defender, will run, purposely run across your line of run to either stop you from running, to put you out your stride so you lose ground, or to draw contact. Now, is that cheating? No, not that instance that you've just mentioned there. And uh, I'm just trying to wrap my brains through the season and uh, have to be in agreement with you that that pretty much all the the penalties are certainly worthy of being given, if not necessarily stonewallers, but against um, Manchester City. Three penalties in one game, and you, you're thinking, oh, how, how is that? You know, how, how does yeah. that occur? But it's because, and they were valid penalties as well. I didn't hear too many complaints at the time. All three were very similar, Matt. There was the Vardy one where Carl Walker, he gets across yeah. Carl Walker and he catches him. Then it was Garcia on Vardy for the second one. Then it was Mendy did the same on Madison. You know, defenders just getting too tight in the wrong positions. And the Leicester player, the attacker, was always, from the defensive point of view, the wrong side of the defender. Um, you know, it, there wasn't really any contentiousness of, of, about any of the decisions. And uh, I'm more tend to lean with, with your argument there. You know, Leicester get, at times, an amazing amount of bodies in the box. So in that particular instance, regularly against Man City, you saw both wing-backs in and, in and around the penalty box at the same time plus the other attacking players, of course, and Man City couldn't handle them effectively. And similar with other teams, um, you know, any any sort of um, arguments against... I, I didn't know if people were saying, you know, like Man United, they get favourable decisions, etc. But Oh, that was mentioned as well. That well, was exactly. That's certain why, Leicester, why, why would Leicester get favour <laughs> in, in that department? I, I don't know. So the, let me see the argument there, but... I'd put it down even with Man United. I'd put it down to, you know, over, over the course of time, or then historically, perhaps, well, in recent times and then not so long ago, you know, when, when they really were a force, they used to get a lot of penalties, but that's because they have a lot of play in, in dangerous areas, yeah. etc. You know, it's commonsensical, really. And Leicester have been doing the same. They've, even if Leicester are not dominating games in terms of possession, which sometimes they do, other times don't, Again, shows flexibility to their play, but when they do, they they, they really do it purposefully and you know, with a a clinical aspect to their game. You know, it, they cut through defenses and defenders are just struggling to to deal with it on, on occasions. You know, Jamie Vardy is as sharp as they come um, in in 
two senses of the word, you know, physically, but also he's switched on, isn't he? And he knows when contact can be drawn, as you say there, um, what positions to be. And, you know, he's not slow to, to go down, but with the laws as they are these days, he's within his rights and he's very, he's very clever at it. He sort of draws the contact a little bit, but at the end of the day, he, he's he's outdone his opposition um, defender. But it's not just Vardy, is it? It's coming from different areas. I'm, I'm with you as well on Kilman. I did think that was debatable. It was harsh, but again, as the rulings are, you semi-expect it to be given. Now, for me, it's just a sign that how much good play that Leicester are producing and they're cutting defences open, defenders are struggling to deal with them. Well, you mentioned there about the fullbacks, and Tom Warville, my um, colleague, has uh, done a, an article and he uh, has examined uh, Leicester's starts this season. And one of the things he has identified is the uh, ability of the fullbacks or wingbacks as they as they have become over the course of the uh, the season so far. Their ability to get into the penalty box. Now, if I said to you, Jamie Vardy had won four of those penalties, James Madison had won two of those penalties. If I then said James Justin had won the other two that were given from open play, would you be surprised? No, because I can remember them. But uh, <laughs> ordinarily, yes. I mean, James Justin is, you know, he's featured quite heavily in terms of a couple of assists or some that haven't resulted in in goals. He's provided chances and pinched the goal himself, hasn't he? And missed a couple of opportunities as well. And him and Castagna, when he was playing, it, it was evident. I think you saw from quite early on in the season. Uh, to me, that, that's a, a marked change, I think, from last year. I think whilst the... the, the Wide players, the full-backs, stroke wing-backs, did get forward semi-regularly, not to such a degree as they are this season. And they still pick and choose the right times and balance it off well. But I think they're given licence to more. And I, I think it's a minor indication of uh, the positive approach is quite often the left-hand sides, or the outside centre-backs of the three, Fafana maybe, or Fuchs, they're both taking the throw-ins as well in advanced areas up the pitch. Instead of, you'd think typically the right wing-back might take, you know, a throw-in 20 yards past the halfway line in your position's half. You know, and centre-halves just sit and hold. But that's a sort of sign of intent as well. It pushes the wing-backs further on and then hopefully play develops and they're in and around the attacking phase. So, but um, no, Justin, he, he gets for it. What an athlete he is, by the way. And mm. so is Castagna. And Thomas is not far behind when he's played. And obviously Ricardo to come. Again, the list is endless a little bit because all Brighton comes in and does exceptionally well, doesn't he? And yeah, everything's flowing for Leicester at the moment. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Uh, one of the uh, players that everybody seems to be talking about at the moment, and he's only just recently joined the club, Wesley Fofana, his performances. Well, Brendan Rodgers said after the uh, the Wolves game that he's uh, a 19-year-old playing like a 29-year-old at the moment. Everybody's been talking about him on the press bench. Those that don't see Leicester on a regular basis like we do um, have been so impressed with this youngster. I'm sure you have been too. I mean, Brendan Rodgers is probably 
reluctantly paying him compliments because I suppose he's at the point where, you know, even already where you can't keep it a secret, can you? When he's playing as well as he is and less the top of the league, you're going to get focus and attention. He's got all the physical attributes, okay, to take them aside. Impressive, two impressive things that stand out for me is one is reading of the game in terms of when to go tight, when to drop off, when to hold, when to track a runner. And well, three, in fact, also his communication, um, however limited or not, his mastery of the English language is, I don't know, but it's good enough, that's for sure, because he's he's passing on information. You can see when he played in the middle of a three, you know, he's the leader in there. And he's organising and directing his teammates around him and, you know, they take their shape off him, etc. But the thirdly, the biggest thing really sort of makes me think that how good a player he will actually be, how big an influence he will be, is his character and his personality because he, he's there, he's laughing and joking, he's part of the squad. He's not a young lad on the edges who's gradually being accepted. He's part and parcel of it already. He's in the mix and, you know, the other players know how good a player he is. There was one little instance at the end of the game against Wolves and pretty much the last minute of, of injury time, last chance to lose for Wolves. Cross comes in, Schmeichel claims it and then he throws himself on the floor by a bit of time. Fafana's there. He's sort of like half smiling, joking, tapping Schmeichel on the back of the head on the floor as if to say, well done, son. He said, like, you know, that, that will see us through to the end of the game. And he's, he's patting the captain you know, on the back of the head and as if to say, like, good lad sort of thing. And then Michael will take it off him because he knows the quality of the player. You know, it wasn't unwarranted cockiness. It was just he's in the fold and he's one of the main men already. There are too many main men at Leicester at the moment, or so many, sorry. But he's, uh, yeah, that, that, that to me was like the hallmark of here I am. You know, I, I'm, I'm straight in here. I'm, I am part of this setup, And he... Leicester City at the top of the league he's competing at that level of football and he's one of the you know main players at the moment and he doesn't look or feel out of place there's so many you just feel like there's a, lots of big things to come for him in his career hopefully for as long as possible with Leicester City Well he's delivered a little bit of a scare to Leicester City uh, he's been away with the uh, French under 21 squad and he's been sent back with a knee injury. Now he's going to have a scan and he's going to be assessed ahead of the uh, the trip to Liverpool in a couple of weeks' time. I know that a lot of fans were worried about this. I've got a feeling it might not be too serious. I've got a feeling we might see him at Liverpool, but I think you know you can't take any chances with the amount of games that are coming up. And I think probably the French FA have got a very sensible attitude to it. Why risk a, a more serious injury if he's got a niggle in his knee? Get him back to Leicester, get him, get him some treatment. Uh, so hopefully there'll be some good news on that. And there's a number of Leicester players actually that are going to have a little break now because um, as well as uh, Fafana coming back with this little niggle that has upset a few people, it's um, we've also the fact that no uh, senior players have been called up to the England squad. So Harvey Barnes and James Madison, who, to be fair, has been fighting to get his fitness back up anyway, so probably wouldn't have been ready for the demands of international football straight on the back of a couple of games with Leicester. They're going to have a little break as well. But I know there was a, a few eyebrows raised, but Harvey Barnes was left out and then Jude Bellingham was called in and no Harvey. Do you think it's just Southgate wanting to have a look at Jude Bellingham uh, rather than uh, give Harvey another little look? Yeah, I would say so, really. I think Harvey's time will come again, without a doubt, as, as it were with Madison, really. And it's probably 
yeah, bl- blessing in disguise, really, in terms of Leicester's point of view. And again, with Fafana, the fact that he's gone away and travelled initially and come back, that, that's a, a good sign, really, hopefully, I would say. Fingers crossed on that one. But it was Ward Prowse who, who's had to had to leave the squad. So you're looking for a, a similar style replacement. I suppose that, you know, that's a, a not a get out, but a reason for Southgate to bring Bellingham in, you know, similar style ish um, and an opportunity to sort of blood in, get him into the fold. So I haven't got too much of a problem with it. I think it's, it's you, you know, you look at it and there's, there is like Leicester, there's a strength in depth with England now, but I, I don't feel that Madison and, and Barnes will be ignored or like, or as if they've been edged out of it for now. I mean, if, if things continue, then it's a different kettle of fish, isn't it? But, um, I think Barnes you know, got a mini opportunity, didn't he? And by all accounts, impressed in training. I thought he did very well when he came on in the game uh, against Wales, wasn't it? And, um, you know, I think it sort of made his mark a little bit. And Madison's yet to do that properly with England, although I'm sure he's shown his quality in training. But just the last game or two, he's, you know, when you see him, he's such a class act. <laughs> you know, he's a proper footballer, isn't he? And oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Against Leeds when he came on, he, I wouldn't say, well, he did change the flow of the game, to be honest, and Leicester might well have seen it out anyway, but it, just a touch of class or many touches of class. And recently, it, it's like he, he's just, he's coming back from the injury and just getting his proper fitness. But when you watch him, particularly live, you probably notice it more, but he, he's running the show. He's running the show the majority of the time, and uh, you know I, I've got no worries for either of them on the international front. There's quite a lot of competition for them, to be fair, but um, I'm sure in due course they'll both give more than a fair share and a good crack at the opportunities. Well, one player that has gone away on international duty and has still got a niggle, and we saw it flare up at the end of the Wolves game, Johnny Evans seemed to feel that back problem again towards the end. In fact, he was in the wars, wasn't he? Because he also got a Christian yeah. Fuchs volley in the face as well uh, at one stage as well. But um, there's a bit of news with um, with Johnny that uh, Leicester City have now opened talks with him over a new contract. Um, Brendan wants to keep him uh, for another few years, not just for his influence on the pitch uh, and his performances, which have been outstanding. I mean, he played every game, started every game of the Premier League season last season and was a fantastic performer. He was my player of the year, although he didn't win the award. I thought he was outstanding. Um, but also, the role he's got in terms of de- helping the development of Fafana and Siyunsu when they come back as well. He's got a key role to play, Johnny, hasn't he? And I, ho- I hope they get that contract sorted sooner rather than later. I would imagine they will. I don't, I don't see too many issues. Um, Johnny doesn't come across as an unrealistic individual, doesn't he? I think, you know, he'll know what the sort of parameters are contract-wise and I think it'd be pretty straightforward. You know, the, the club would be, both parties would be keen to get it sorted. So the only contention is you might be the length of contract, but Leicester are quite quite liberal in, in that sense, aren't they? You know, they, they don't mind backing their judgment on players reward players for their efforts as well and you know it, it's a policy that's worked well for them pretty much you know many of the players have signed contracts quite sharply as well they just tend not to mess about don't they and you know they don't risk any uh, situations developing if possible how old is he now johnny is it 32 32 so i imagine two to three years they will offer him 
Uh, it's going to be a minimum two years, wouldn't it? And possibly, with the way he plays it, he gets the odd injury or so, doesn't he? But yeah, he, he's a good professional, looks after himself. Wouldn't be surprised if, it, even if it was a three-year, possibly. That, although that's quite extensive at that age. Although I'm saying that, I got a four-year at 32. Uh, <laughs> all those years ago, I'm not quite sure how that happened, but uh, I gleefully accepted. That's for sure. But um, yeah, times have changed a little bit, haven't they? But but um, yeah, I don't see an issue with that at all. And what a strike that was by Christian Fuchs, by the way. It wasn't not even a, a half volley, was it? It was on the up. And in cricketing terms, it was on the up, smashed through the covers for four, wasn't it? It would have been interesting to see. I think the goalkeeper actually had it covered, it looked like. But it would have been interesting to see how it would have finished up if Johnny had managed to get out of the way. But he paid the price for that, didn't he? He had a bit of spot of concussion by all accounts. <laughs> I know, he was travelling, so I can imagine he did as well. But he's still uh, reported for international duty, so hopefully he comes back in one piece. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Premieres May 2nd on FX. Stream on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Uh, a piece I've um, published this morning, uh, I caught up one of your old teammates. I, thought, I think you only played with him briefly, though. Uh, Simon Grayson. Uh, now, Simon was the manager of Leeds when Casper Smichael was there. I remember it was one of the strangest transfers, his arrival at Leicester, I can recall, because uh, it was played out so publicly that Leeds announcing that they accepted a, an offer from Leicester City, which we understand now was less than a million pounds. And uh, they, they sold him with Simon coming out publicly saying, basically saying that um, uh, they were looking for a new goalkeeper because they were conceded too many goals, which inferred to us that Kasper Michael wasn't good enough for them. But uh, I caught up with him uh, recently just to look back on that and to try and get to the bottom of it. And he basically said that um, he didn't really want to sell Kasper, but there was a situation where the Leeds thought they were going to lose him for nothing at the end of that the coming year because he'd only had a two-year contract. Um, and that... You know, he's not surprised to see Casper go on um, to have the success he he has had. I mean, it's certainly a, a deal that um, has been to Leicester City's benefit and, and certainly not to Leeds' benefit. But Casper's uh, been such a fantastic signing, one of the best that I can I can imagine they've that they've made for a very very long time. Uh, interesting that Simon or, or Larry, as we used to call him, <laughs> uh, for obvious reasons. Has changed his tune somewhat. <laughs> certainly, <laughs> certainly uh, publicly, uh, he, he may well have you know, had to sort of say that um, in terms of what, what the club was saying behind the scenes. But um, yeah, yeah, I think that was the case, Matt. I think he was probably he had to be, do a little bit of a PR job at the time because he probably knew that uh, there'll be fans a little bit upset about another player being sold, he, and he had to say it. Probably didn't mean what he said at the time. Well, he's going to say that now, isn't he? The way things have turned out. <laughs> no, but, no, he's a good lad, Simon. And uh, I did I did play with him for the 
half the season that I joined, 1997 it was, in the January to the end of that campaign. He went off to Villa, but um, yeah, I always got on well with him and always good to see him these days. In fact, worked with him on a few occasions. But um, yeah, it's, it's strange how Casper's career has gone, isn't it? Because way back before even Leeds, he was at Man City and then he went to Notts County. Didn't he? With uh, was was that when Sven Goran Eriksson took over there? I'm yeah, guessing. Sven was there. He fo- he's followed Sven around. He, he obviously he was the third time that he joined a club with Sven uh, involved when he came to yeah. Leicester. Yeah, you always felt. I mean, without even seeing a lot of him in in his younger days, he always felt there was a good keeper there, and not just because he's son of of Peter. Um, but what what an acquisition he's been, isn't he? I mean, much as made of the recruitment from Leicester over the years. And he, he often gets bypassed, doesn't he, Casper? Because it was such a long time ago, basically. And um, but what a deal it was. And I, I was, I spoke about him in the week. I, I was mildly disappointed to find out that it was his 34th birthday um, <laughs> not so long ago because you want him to be around for longer. I'm sure he will be around for a good few years yet. But, you know, he's top quality. And we saw that against Wolves again, didn't we? Hardly brought into action at all. Neves pops up with one of his his strikes from distance that he's become notorious for. And he thought, as it was going through the air, he thought, oh, no, here we go. Uh, they've pulled it back and Swaikul comes flying across like Superman, doesn't he? And pours it clear. And, you know, what a save that was. Um, even better when you consider lack of action that he was called into before. But he's yeah, he's so reliable. He's a big character as well, isn't he, within the team, a big influence on the squad as a whole and boy, what a million pounds that was spent. Absolutely. Great piece of business. Now, all the stories I've mentioned are available on the Athletic website and app. Uh, you can subscribe for just £1 per week uh, by going to theathletic.com forward slash Leicester pod. Matt, thank you very much. I'm looking forward to speaking to you again next week when we're going to be teasing a rather mundane game, isn't it? It's just a little trip to Anfield. Top of the table clashed, so to speak. I know Spurs are second at the moment, but they're the reigning champions. But they're up against the team that are leading the Premier League. Yeah, all to play for on that game, isn't it? Um, <laughs> Leicester fans will enjoy the time in between, though, when they're sitting pretty at the top of the table. Hopefully Leicester yeah. will fare slightly better than they did last time when it was similar circumstances against Liverpool. But, uh, yeah, an enticing prospect, that's for sure. Well, we'll speak again next week, Matt. Thank you very much and thank you to all you listeners.